This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Back in, you're listening to the November 17th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Joining me today on the show is a writer and podcast host for the ever so acclaimed Number Fire, covering all the large DFS sports. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Jim Sonnes. You can find him on the tweets at Jim Sonnes. That's S A N N E S. It's great to have you back on the Mailbag Show. Jim, man, what's good? It's all good. Um, you know, like you mentioned, all the, the DFS sports, we have the overlap right now of NFL, NBA, and PGA, but with Thanksgiving coming up, we got a PGA break, so it's just uh, down to NFL and NBA, so things lightening up a little bit, you know, we get into the stretch run of NFL, so I'm, I'm fine. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99, polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. I'm dandy right now, how about you? It seems like you don't have enough on your plate, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a busy time of year, but once we get to January through March, I literally do nothing, so I cannot complain right now knowing that like this three month safe haven is just around the corner. I feel like we're almost to the seventh inning stretch. Like week right. eleven isn't quite there, <laughs> but it's it's almost there where you kinda see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And you just you yep. can't reach it yet. It's like it's like you're looking through a keyhole, right? And it's like right, right there, but not quite there yet. And then that closer comes out of the pen for week 17. You're like, how do I figure this thing out? And it just kind of it just elongates the whole thing because you have to rack your brain for so long figuring out handle after DFS. It's it's insane. <laughs> well, we're going to be figuring a lot of stuff out here today on behalf of all the road of his listeners and questions. So we'll go ahead and dive right in here, talk about some of the player outlooks, dynasty trades, redraft takes, start sits, and DFS hits. But before we do dive right in, Jim, of course, you host an outstanding weekly listen over at the Heat Check and recently provided analysis on carry, target, red zone, and market share data. Uh, what were a couple eye-opening nuggets you found to pave the way forward for the rest of the season here? Yeah, I think if we're looking back at Week 10 specifically, I think we got a lot of clarity on the Cowboys' backfield. Specifically, we know that Alfred Morris will probably be the guy in positive game script. Rod Smith, the guy when they need to throw. And I think that that's great to have that clarity. But the problem is it's hard to know when they will be in positive game script with the ambiguity around Tyron Smith. Like, I think that until we see him back out there, it's hard to say definitively that this Cowboys team is going to have leads, especially if they're facing a team that's been as good as the Eagles have been this year. So 
it's good to get that clarity, I guess, uh, but it's still not necessarily a situation I feel comfortable with just based on that. Outside of those guys, I think that uh, it's been great to see Sterling Shepard in his first two games back. He's got 29% of the Giants' targets. He has 41% of their deep targets, so uh, throws at least 16 yards downfield. So Shep's a boss. I love him for DFS. He's a tremendous season-long asset. And I, I think that, you know, it's nice to have a little shining light in an offense as bad as the Giants, to have Sterling Shepard, to have Evan Ingram there. It just it makes things a little bit more interesting when you have things you can at least cling on a little bit. Yeah, sometimes all you need is a bad offense around you and a bad team around <laughs> you, and it's much easier for you to catapult right, uh, right up to the to the top there. Now, uh, some of the other things that we focus on over at Rotoviz, and of course, uh, specifically at NumberFire, evidence-based analysis, right? You and I both know mm-hmm. there are indicators that let us know when to expect something like regression, whether it be positive or negative, and yet sometimes, I refuse to say oftentimes, there is an indicator <laughs> or three that don't necessarily come to fruition. For instance, Drew Brees is... Is destined to throw for more touchdowns this season. Keenan Allen is sure to find pay dart, right? And Chris <laughs> Thompson, there's no way he can remain this efficient. Now, I don't want to go chasing outliers here, Jim, but how do you know when to trust the process and when do you ever, if at all, find yourself chalking a situation up as a legit outlier? Yeah, I think as an analyst, this is the part that I struggle most with is tackling those outliers because I, I think that for me, it's it's just like you said. Like I always try to view things from an objective standpoint. Look at the numbers. What do they say? What do my eyes say? You know, based on watching the games as well. And it's really hard for me to deviate from that and say, okay, maybe this person is just a legitimate outlier. And I think that was for me. If we're looking this year specifically, it's part of the reason I was so hesitant to get on the Carson Wentz bandwagon because I, I wasn't super sold on him coming out of college. I didn't necessarily like a lot of what he did last year. And then we get into this year, he has a couple of good games, and I'm trying to be like, stick to my guns here and say, okay, you know, the larger sample says that there are some reasons to believe that Carson Wentz will come back to Earth. But now we're in week 11, and it's pretty clear that's not going to happen. Carson Wentz is a legitimately good quarterback, so I have to kind of adjust my view on that. It's really hard to know when I need to kind of abandon that previous process and say, say, okay, this guy's legit, this guy is outperform my expectations i need to change my view of that uh so i think it's something i've definitely struggled with and i think that it's something that i'm still trying to decipher but more often than not i am going to you know like you said go hinky on it trust the process um and just kind of let the numbers do the talking but it does make things super difficult sometimes who going hinky on it boy i mean watching philadelphia yeah. <laughs> these past couple of games you just think to yourself man. like he is just sitting back on his couch right now like look at just <laughs> yeah. the the what do, what do they call that? The the wealth of my loins. I, I get the, I know yes. I'm, I'm mixing a couple of them up here on that. But man, that guy really had it going on there, and, and, it, and everything that he put together is everything that we at Number Fire and at Rotoviz we try to right. put together with data analysis and objective research. And yes, there's going to be some outliers that you need. You know, sometimes you have to adjust. Maybe you got to create a new baseline going forward. Uh, but you know, more often than not, the the play is to you know carry on and trust that process. And right now, you can get a 30% discount to really research and investigate for yourself. Use the tools and the apps over at rotaviz.com. Uh, 30% discount on an NFL pass for the rest of the NFL season and for the rest of the calendar year up through next season as well. So it really is one of the best deals out there in the industry. So go ahead and check that out. And also, if you're still listening to this show and you haven't rated us on iTunes, do us a solid. Guys, huh? 
just give us a give us a nice little rating over there on iTunes. It means a lot. It takes hard work to put the show out every week. And then also, if you have any questions you want answered on the show, hit us up at uh, radio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and add them to the QQ section like we're going to get into just right now. All right, Jim, you know the drill. Here we go. Let's get it. All right, Flex PPR Redraft. This is an interesting one. Right off the bat, Jeremy Macklin or Adrian Peterson? Yeah, I think I'm going Macklin here. Um, I I think that Peterson is interesting because of the situation that he has where you can trust him more when they're in positive game script and it's projected to be a pretty close game there with Houston. But my issue is DJ Humphreys, their left tackle, was injured early last week. And if you look at the, the games that he missed earlier this year, I don't think Arizona exceeded, yeah, it was 16, 17, 18 points, and then uh, I think they had fewer than 10 in the fourth game that Humphreys missed. So it's hard for me to buy into this offense when it's, A, led by Blaine Gabbert, B, without D.J. Humphreys, the left tackle. I know that Houston's been bad, so it's, but it's just really hard for me to go with A.D. there. So I, li- I like Macklin a lot. I think he's done a lot of interesting things recently. I know, again, you're not tying him necessarily to a good quarterback here, but Green Bay secondary, not great, Bob, and I think that Macklin <laughs> would be my preference there. Yeah, I'm with you there. Give me the safer floor there. Give me give me yeah. the, the pass volume right there. And I, I know I've already begun to hear some people talking about Jeremy Macklin. Uh, cover your ears, Jim. Uh, only 4,500 here on DraftKings this week. But uh, I, I got to say it, everybody, where were you when he was only 4,000 on DraftKings a couple weeks ago, guys? <laughs> Um, but he's still still a solid value over there. Um, but, yeah, it's Macklin here. All right, owner offered me redraft Julio Jones for either A.J. Green or Travis Kelsey. I have Kyle Rudolph, Keenan Allen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jordy Nelson, Jeremy Macklin, and Danny Amendola, and I've only been starting two to date. What do you got on this one? Yeah, I'm going. I want Julio or A.J. Green here. I love Travis Kelsey. Like, everything that he does is amazing. But, like, if we're just looking at these guys – from an objective standpoint, looking at the market shares that they receive, Julio, since their bye week, has had, I think it's 31% of their overall targets. He has had over 50% of their deep targets, and he's had 34% of their red zone targets. That's just an insane combination. And I know it's been frustrating with Julio. I know that people are pretty frustrated, and I have lost a lot of money on Julio this year in DFS, <laughs> so I understand why you're frustrated. But at the end of the day... Things are going to align, and Julio is going to have good days. Travis Kelsey will, too, especially this week. Like, he could just obliterate the Giants. But I want Julio there personally. I always favor wide receivers over tight ends. I'd take A.J. Green, too, honestly. If like that, if they don't want to give up Julio, I'd go A.J. Green. I think both those situations, I'd want the wide receiver over Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. I almost wish I knew, you know, what was what is the actual narrative? This this goes back to evidence base. You know, it's very easy to yeah. say, oh, it looks like they finally figured out they need to be throwing the ball to Julio Jones. Like, <laughs> true, yeah, but, I mean, was he hurt? Does he still have something right. going on? Who knows? Maybe he's a step closer to health. I don't know, right. but I definitely want to be along for the ride there. All right, uh, DFS, Jim, there seem to be decent plays at every pricing tier this week across mm-hmm. multiple positions. How are you approaching lineup construction this week, specifically on FanDuel? While he isn't exactly a .5 PPR site kind of guy, is there merit to a guy like Bruce Ellington this week just for what he opens up? Yeah, I think Ellington actually fits a lot of my roster construction for this week because my general process this week is that I want to pay up at running back. I know people are going to pay up at tight end. They want Kelsey. They want Gronk, as they should. Like, And, you know, Ertz is in a good spot if you're playing a FanDuel's main slate. Uh, same thing with Evan Ingram. Like, you want to pay up at tight end, but that means there will be fewer people paying up at, at running back. When you've got values like Rex Burkhead out there, who's a tremendous play as well, 
I'm thinking that, like, I just want to pepper in these high-priced guys, whether it be Kareem Hunt, Todd Gurley, uh, Mark Ingram, Melvin Gordon, on a bounce back potentially. Like, there are a lot of high-priced guys that I want to have on my roster. So that's kind of going to be – I'm always someone who prefers to pay at wide receiver in general in tournaments. But I think this week I'm going to try to have two of those high-priced running backs in there, use a guy like Bruce Ellington. He's had eight targets each of the past two weeks, and they said they need to get in the ball. And we love targeting wide receiver twos against this Cardinals defense. So I think Ellington makes sense. I think that Jamison Crowder makes sense for 5,400 on FanDuel. Sterling Shepard is 65. Like, there are cheap wide receivers. If you want to use Macklin, he's fine too. There are cheap wide receivers you can use to help you pay up at running back without, you know, missing out on a guy like Tom Brady too. Yeah, you you just hit the nail on the head right there. Tom Brady just he's got that matchup this week. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna carry a lot of extra ownerships. This oh, so yeah. save a guy as great of a play as he is. Obviously, use him on Fanduel if you want to be contrarian to pay down at running back. But you know, save a guy like Rex Burkhead for for DraftKings this week. Uh, get, take advantage of your wide receiver values, and, and and yeah, people are gonna be looking at Kelsey, Tom Brady, and paying up at running back. Mm. That's probably the chalkiest construction there uh, for cash games this week. All right, Dynasty, what should I do with Kenyon Drake? He wasn't the greatest prospect, and by greatest po- uh, prospect, I mean wasn't all that good, but he <laughs> has flashed, and he seemed to fit the mold of a guy that uh, sustains value in PPR leagues in today's NFL. Yeah, so I think that my main issue with Kenyon Drake is we have been in a situation where he is without Jay Ajayi, and his main competition for touches is Damian Williams, and he still played 43% of the snaps on Monday. It's a bit of an issue. Uh, his snap rate hasn't been high this year, you know, in the two games without Ajayi, and never handled a heavy workload even in college. In college, he never had more than 14 carries in a single game. He hasn't exceeded nine in the NFL He had double-digit carries just 10 times in college. So I honestly think that because you've gotten a couple of games of decent production out of him, it's a good time to sell. Um, I'm not buying him. I know that. I think you can hold if you want because he is in a better situation now than he was. But I think this is kind of like his max role in the NFL. He's not like going to be this workhorse by any means. It's not a great team either, not a team where I necessarily want to you know, get tons of exposure. So Drake's been good. I think that gives you a bit of a selling window, though, so I try to take advantage of that, probably. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. I do have him in a particular dynasty league, and for whatever reason, I feel like it's the not the norm, but I wasn't able to get a second-round draft pick for him. It, it's a pretty mm. sharp league, so yeah. I, I'm holding on for one more week. I think I'm just hoping he can get another tutty this week, yeah. and that way I can get that second-round pick because I'd rather take that second round, specifically in 2018, because of how yes. deep this class coming up is. Absolutely. All right, redraft. Should I be worried about the quarterback change in Arizona for Larry Fitzgerald? Stanton still surprisingly sustained Fitz's value. Now, I also scooped up Jermaine Gresham uh, as he has been sneaky good as of late. Was Gresham a byproduct of Stanton's preference, or was there a shift in offensive scheme? What, what do we got with there? It seems like uh, using the tools over here at, at Rotoviz, you know, it looks like he's garnished about uh, 10 to 12 percent of the market share over the last three weeks or so. Uh, it, it definitely has been on the up and up. Doesn't seem like a lot here, but in comparison to you know to the rest of the wide receivers right. in Arizona, that's kind of good. Yeah, I mean, I think that Gresham is a piece in the offense, uh, but I guess my bigger issue is I always both of running backs and tight ends want to tie those assets to high efficiency offenses, and I know it's hard to find a high efficiency tight end on the market right now. But like, if Jared Cooks out there, if a guy like that is available in your leagues, like. 
I would be just blowing whatever fob that I have to get him on there because I just want tight ends who are in good offenses who can score touchdowns. And you have Jermaine Gresham and Larry Fitzgerald. You know, the same thing here. We could talk about him as well. They're in an offense without their left tackle with Blaine Gabbert, Gabbert as quarterback. And we can say that Gabbert could be an, an upgrade over Drew Stan, but at the end of the day, the coaching staff sees him in practice every day. They had Stanton above Gabbert for a reason, so I'm inclined to trust them. You know, Bruce Aarons made some interesting decisions, so I'm not necessarily saying he's like this genius we have to trust always. But again, going back to Humphreys being out 16, 17, 18, and 7 points in the four games without him earlier this year, and that was with Palmer at quarterback. So I'm worried about Fitz. I'm worried about uh, Jermaine Gresham, too. I just I really want to take a hands-off approach with this entire offense. Yeah, and it, just as a, as a as an aside, I, I'm kind of getting a little bit closer to you. I, I've up until this point this week, I've kind of been like, all right, I think Larry Fitz is still going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine. But I've been using preseason sure. numbers yeah. here, right? And and I, I'm getting a little more cautious of it. So I, I'm even looking at a guy like maybe. <laughs> Ah, uh, jeez, I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna stop there and I, until I can do a little bit more research here. But <laughs> yeah, like, can I really use Lamar Miller on the other side or something sure. like this? You know, if if Arizona's gonna stall out, that that has to mean possession on the other side, right? This is all correlative. So right. Uh, I don't know. I'm yeah. I I think if it tastes bad in my mouth, I'm just gonna move on. Absolutely. I think the toughest part for me is that I want to use the Arizona defense in DFS, given that they're facing Tom Savage, that they've been playing better recently. But like, it's hard for me to use a defense that's tied to a bad quarterback too. So like, it's just it's just tilting on all angles. Yeah, yeah. If if you have anybody that's gonna tilt you, if you don't have them, it's gonna tilt you. It's just a yeah. big tilt fest. <laughs> so so Jim, what has been your biggest tilt thus far in 2017? It's unquestionably Doug Martin against the Saints because like I blew that one so hard, and it was you know look going into that game. He had gotten a lot of usage, even in negative game script, which is why I thought it was a pretty interesting spot. The Saints at that time were 32nd against the rush based on our metrics at number fire. Getting a lot of work, game that could shoot out. Uh, Jameis Winston coming off a game where he, uh, you know, he struggled, but that was a high wind game when they were facing off hmm. uh, down there against Carolina. So I was like, okay, I think that Winston's fine. I think it was just because of the wind. He looked okay in Buffalo. And then Winston's hurt. Doug Martin gets benched. Uh, for Peyton freaking Barber, and I'm sitting here on my couch just tilting out of my mind. So I'm like, I had been kind of vocal about it on Twitter that I like Doug Martin. I think that's what made it worse is like kind of made it known that I like this guy, which was so anti-process for me because I don't like using running backs who don't get a lot of targets, who are seven and a half point underdogs. But I did it for that week for the matchup because I thought they could keep pace. They did not, so it was kind of, because I was mad that he got benched for being in a, apparently an atrocious running back, but I was also mad at myself because I knew that it was going against my process. And, you know, I didn't I didn't hashtag TTP. There was no hinky involved there. I, I went against <laughs> my process, and it really, really blew up in my face. No, it's funny. I did the same thing with Jordan Howard last week. Oh, God. Oh, I did that too, actually, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> but it was like, well, you know, script-wise, game, yeah, it all yeah, makes kind of sense. they were favored. I was yeah. fine with that one. Yeah, they were favored, and then I forgot they were still the Bears. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, that is still John Fox right yeah. there. <laughs> Next one is uh, from the forums, redraft. I need to win out to get into the playoffs. I was offered my choice of either Jared Cook or Kyle Rudolph for Greg Olson. Thoughts? 
So I think if you can get by for this week, I would hold on to Olsen. Like, if you've got a guy you can just use for this week, I'd hold Olsen. Uh, with no Kelvin Benjamin being there, I think that Olsen's role in that offense should be just ginormous after their bye week. But if you can't get by this week, like, if there is nothing good for you available, then go get Jared Cook, man. I love him against New England. And then if you look at his schedule coming ahead, he faces the Broncos, who funnel targets towards tight ends. Got the Giants, who, as we know, are just the peach matchup for tight ends. Got the Chiefs, got the Cowboys, Sean Lee. We know, we don't know what his status will be for that one. So I think that Jared Cook, again, tying him to a good offense with Derek Carr. He's gotten a decent number of targets this year. I love Jared Cook, not just this week, but beyond, too. So if you can't get by this week, go get Jared Cook. I'm okay with that, but otherwise I would hold on to Greg Olson. Yep, with you there, 100%. All right, Dynasty, here's a real interesting one here. So who is more long-term value between Rex Burkhead and Austin Eckler? I have both and figured I can sell one of them um, or keep them. If I can get enough, I'd rather sell one. Yeah, I think I'd sell Eckler there if you can, uh, because if you look at this Chargers offense, you know, a, when a team spends draft equity on a player, that does factor in their, to their decision-making. They spent a first-round pick on Melvin Gordon, and Melvin this year has been banged up, whether it be with the turf toe, whether it be with the other dings and dents he has had. And when you look at Eckler, you know, he's not a guy who had this, like, big selling coming in. I don't want to write off everyone who doesn't have, like, you know, draft stock coming in, because that would mean I'd write off Adam Thielen, who has been awesome for the last couple of years. And I don't want to do that, but I think when you have a guy like Melvin Gordon, who is their first-round pick, who has dealt with injuries this year, I think that that makes me inclined to jump off the Eckler bandwagon if I can. With Burkhead, he could be tied to Brady. He works in both the rushing game and the passing game. He's a super versatile asset, so I really want Rex Burkhead. It'd be very hard for me to sell him right now, so I think for sure I would lean towards Eckler there. Very good. All right, Jim, what has been your most uh, favorite fantasy football memory ever? Oh, it's definitely, it was DFS related. Uh, back in 2015, I think, uh, it was when Kirk Cousins had the You Like That game against Tampa <laughs> Bay. Because, like, no one used Kirk Cousins in DFS, and, like, I accidentally stumbled into a good play for once, and he, like, had this iconic moment after. So, like, it wasn't, like, a Millie Maker type thing. It was, like, it was just a good day for DFS. And then he goes out there, and he, he says that you like that thing. I considered buying a shirt as a result. <laughs> like, I was just so happy, you know, stacking Cousins with Jordan Reed. It was kind of caught up in, in the euphoria. So, for me, that was number one. Uh, I And I've kind of had this, like, weird affection for Kirk Cousins ever since and as a result, too. So, you, you got to be honest here. How many times did you talk back to the TV saying, you like that, you like that, I like that? <laughs> You had to have done it at least I once. I did. I was shouting at my computer. No, I had, it was, that was when Vine was still around. I had, I had, uh, the Vine of Kirk Cousins looping on my laptop for the next four months of him saying you like that. And uh, I think 100% being serious. Absolutely. And you quite literally got to take that you like that straight to the bank. Absolutely. It was great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Another DFS here. Unfortunately, I can't start more than two running backs on Fando this week, and there are about five up top I'd like to use. So which of the two best you're using for cash games here? Uh, I tend to pay down at wide receiver whenever possible. So kind of a offshoot to our earlier question sure. here. Uh, I'm looking at guys, you know, we've got Todd Gurley, we've got Kareem Hunt, we've got Mark Ingram up top there. Who, who are you looking at here? Yeah, I think for cash games, I'm going Ingram for sure. If you look at uh, what Minnesota did against Washington last week, they ran it up the gut a ton. And with New Orleans, 
Ingram, since their bye week, has 75% of their runs at the middle, whereas Curry, or, uh, Alvin Kamara has 14%. So if they're going to do the same game plan as Minnesota, they are just going to cram it down Washington's throat with Mark Ingram. We know the touchdown equity he has. So Ingram and Cash, for me, even with the decreased passing game involvement, that is a slight concern, but he's still running routes. So I'm, I'm pretty okay with it there. And then I go Kareem Hunt. I think that it's hard to not go Todd Gurley in a game that I really, really like this week because of the pace involved. Uh, but I think that's more of a tournament play than for cash games. With Kareem Hunt, he's facing a Giants defense that could be without Snacks Harrison, who is among the best run stoppers in the league. Chiefs are 10.5-point favorites. I know that he hasn't really been worth that salary recently, but I think we kind of have to go there. I'm going there in tournaments. I'm fine going there in cash, too. So for me, it'd be Ingram and Hunt, but it's I'm still having a hard time saying no to Todd Gurley, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on Todd Gurley this week. Well, there plenty of people are yeah. going to be on Todd Gurley. Um, to your point, I don't think they're going to be on him quite as much as the other two. So I definitely think he makes a solid pivot play. And uh, Hunt is, is definitely your, your chalk-eating type of play for the week here. All right, redraft, uh, Tyler Croft, Ben Watson, or Austin Hooper? It's a really tough one, honestly. Um, and I think it's only tough because I like Austin Hooper a lot. And I know that the matchup here is not good against Seattle, but I love, again, it comes back to my process is I want tight ends and good offenses. And even though Hooper's matchup isn't good, he does benefit from Richard Sherman being out because it means the offense will move the ball better, means they can generate more red zone opportunities. And I think that benefits Hooper. Uh, he's had six targets each of the past three weeks, and that's been interesting because Mohamed Sanu has been healthy for all those. So... My view of Hooper has changed pretty radically over the past three weeks because of those targets, even with Sanu healthy. So I go Hooper here, but Jeremy, I, I could understand if you would disagree with this one. Yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. In fact, I know Neil Dutton actually outlined all three of these guys in okay. the uh, weekly uh, tight end streaming option here. And um, I think for me, it's Tyler Croft. I'll give him the slight mm-hmm. edge here. I, I You can make a case for all three of these guys. I definitely like the arbitrage play. If you take a look at the Rotoviz uh, screener app, you, you can see, you can really see that just based on the last few weeks, uh, Hunter Henry, for instance, really has a pretty identical numbers to what Tyler Croft is putting up in terms of uh, reception and market share, uh, every, everything across the board there. So I'll probably lean Tyler Croft in this matchup. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if you need to shoot for the moon, go Austin Hooper. That's the way I'd kind of look at it. Kind of safer with Croft, a little bit more upset sure. with Hooper. I agree. All right. Uh, redraft, can I start Tevin Coleman over Leonard Fournette this week? I can only start two. Melvin Gordon has a better matchup, so he's the other one. Ah, oh, boy, I, I can't lie. I mean... It's a really solid question here this it week. It is. Yeah, because, I mean, with, with Devontae Freeman out, I mean, Tevin Coleman's going to get work in the passing game, going to get work in the ground game, too. But I think the reason I go to Fournette, Fournette's matchup is awful. Like, Cleveland has been very good against uh, against the rush this year. They do have some injuries in their linebacking core. That could benefit him. Um, we know that they're going to pound the rock, too. Jacksonville is favored, and... They might have to just run the ball a lot based on the weather forecasts I've seen in Cleveland. They're 25 mile per hour winds. And I, I factor in wind a lot with my analysis because teams just aren't efficient passing through the air, uh, when there is a lot of wind. So I think it'll be a heavy volume game for Fournette and the, the volume is more guaranteed and they're favored. So I like that too. So I go Fournette here. I'm not really using him in DFS because he's, he's priced out for me on FanDuel at 9,300. 
But I think if I'm choosing between him and Tevin Coleman straight up, I do go back to Fournette here. Interesting choices there indeed. I ah, boy. Yeah, it's tempting. Yeah, it's really tempting. I mean, it's one of those, if I'm the underdog, I'll probably take Coleman there and just hope he bosses. Sure. <laughs> uh, next one, we've got the blue light special here, the Super Saver quarterback fuck, Mary kill edition. Now, I'm not going to take it to the red light special. <laughs> this is, believe it or not, still a family show, even though we've got an F-bomb in here or two a week. You know, PG-13 shows, you're allowed totally. to have a couple F-bombs a show, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, I mean... That's what we do here at the Viz. We we comply. We can we concede. We comply. Um, sure. And I didn't say F one more time because I'm leaving you one more F. Sure. Okay. <laughs> to not outdo the quota for the week here, like I have done in the past. So here we go. Now we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jake Cutler, and Blake Bortles on the docket. I saved you some uh, uh, Peterman. You know, I think he was actually worthy of the list here, and Blaine Gabbard even. But we'll we'll go ahead and take him off the list for the sake of this exercise. Well, I mean, I'd have to kill Peter because he's starting over Tyrod, and that's just an, an affront to all. I think that everyone at Rotoviz, everyone at Numberfire loves Tyrod, so I, I would have to kill him immediately. But there's really no choice here. It's, it's, you kill Jay Cutler, and you don't think twice about it. Like that's just it. There are a lot of reasons to kill Jay Cutler. We've seen him in peach matchups this year, and he hasn't come through. So I'm killing Jay Cutler immediately. No second thoughts there. I think I'm going to have to show and go with Blake Bortles. I'll, I'll let the SEC, uh, you know, keep you guys dandy for this week and say show and go with Blake Bortles. Um, the weather is what gets me there, and I think volume could be a concern because of the weather. So I think that, that Bortles is the one-timer, and I'll go Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic. Um, I'll marry him. I'll marry Fitzpatrick. Um, I kind of think he's interesting. I was not on him last week because he was at, without his best offensive piece in Mike Evans. But this week, He's getting Miami in a short week. There are fewer weather concerns than there were last week. I kind of think that, like, if I'm choosing between Blaine Gabbard and Ryan Fitzpatrick and DFS even, like, give me Fitzpatrick, man. I think it's like 500 bucks more to get Fitzpatrick. Let's go, baby. I'm, I'm marrying Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I'm not going to lie here. Between on, on over on DK for the super saver quarterback, I'm I'm looking at Fitzpatrick and I'm looking at as I gulp. I'm looking at Bortles as well. Yeah. I need to follow that weather to your point there, but you, you're right. I mean, you're getting your number one wide receiver back, and nobody's right. going to be on you. So I mean, it's also a solid tournament pivot there as well. Yes. So going to be an interesting play indeed. And and one of the things I really like about these super saver quarterbacks, it seems like you've got another one to choose from each and every week um, but you get to use these really cheap quarterbacks right but sometimes you you don't have the uh, salary afforded to be able to use those top tier uh, guys at the top tier right Tom Brady yeah it's really fun to talk about Tom Brady this week but <laughs> it's also really difficult to fit right. Tom Brady into some of your lineups so head on over to draft it's one of my new favorite apps that you have out there on the in industry scene right now here's how it works you simply do a draft it's a snake draft just like you do uh, in traditional redraft leagues with your buddies, with your coworkers, basically with the people that you smash every week because you listen to this show and they probably don't. So once you're done drafting, there's going to be no trades, no waiver wires. Uh, draft takes care of everything. Uh, you don't have to worry about injuries. And basically, you get to pick some of the favorite guys that you have. Now, what's awesome, it comes with some preloaded ranks. So you, before you start every week, here's your pro tip of the day. Go through their ranks and see who is not ranked correctly from your perspective. And if you have a guy that is literally just one scroll down the screen, 
nobody's going to draft him. So keep firing up those head-to-heads. You take the guy that's got uh, a better odds of the touchdown that week or a better odds of the market share, and people aren't going to be on, on him because he's you know literally two screens or scrolls down. So there's your pro tip for the day. Head over there. Uh, whether you're using the app, it's a really slick uh, app. Um, I use it from the bathroom every single week. I talk about it on this show every single week. It's the only place I get peace and quiet in this house. So I go to the bathroom and I fire up some drafts. Uh, you go to the bathroom, fire up some draft, and whether you go to the bathroom to fire up the draft or not, I'm still going to give you a promo code. It's called RB Radio. Use that on your first deposit, and that first $3 entry is going to be on the house there as well. Uh, so get on over there and check it out. Jim, are you using much draft as of late? Yeah, I'm, I think that because number t- number fire is tied to FanDuel, I'm not like, you know, I probably can't say, I guess, would be the, the way that I would phrase it. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's the Dave Chappelle skit where he slaps the water and then runs away. That's me. Cocaine in a can. <laughs> Red balls. Sorry. I like it. Sorry. I like it. Oh, my goodness. Well, and, and just shame on me, right? Because like I, sometimes I forget who my audience is right now, and I literally have a FanDuel guy on the other side of this <laughs> microphone, and I'm asking you if you play draft, like just putting you right on the spot there, right, Jim? I like a lot of stuff that they do. I would phrase it that way. I think they're, they're a very good company. Hey, I'll put it that way. A gentleman, a scholar, and a diplomat. Redraft, start one out of Isaiah Crowell, Orleans Darkwa, Joe Mixon. <sighs> This is a really tough one, man. Like, I've thought about this from a bunch of different angles. Like, Denver seems to have quit, which helps Joe Mixon. Isaiah Crowell seemed to get some confidence in his coaches back last week. Darkwell's facing a Kansas City defense that's just been wretched uh, over the last, like, five weeks or so. So I think I might wind up going Darkwell because he's actually gotten volume, even though the Giants have just gotten blown out the past two weeks. So... That could happen again here, and he's facing a pretty poor defense. I originally thought Crowell, based on last week, you know, having a little bit of spring back to life there. But I guess I wind up going Darquan now because of the volume they have given him despite the blowouts recently. I could really be swayed anyway on this one, though, honestly. So I have this very uh, redraft dilemma myself this week. Okay. And I kid you not, I have switched this lineup back and forth (laughs) five times already. Yep. So it's so, tough. Yeah, if, if you ask me, I'm going to give you a different answer tomorrow than I give sure. you today as well. <laughs> so flip the coin. I don't know. I think they're both in decent spots there, and uh, I'll probably at the end, by the end of the week, I'll be with you on Dark Law. All right, Dynasty, okay. uh, what is the world coming to where Robert Woods, Sterling Shepard, <laughs> and Juju Smith-Schuster are weekly top performers based on recent trends? If I can move a guy like Julio Jones for one of these guys, pick up a second piece like a productive running back, shouldn't I do it? Interesting question here. So I'm um, Also, he says, I'm kind of tired of hearing the lazy and fear-minded, but sure. Julio can blow up at any moment case. So we've got a lot going on here in this question. What do you got? And I- I think the, you know, general statements like that are kind of lazy. I, I understand what they're saying. I disagree. I, I think that Julio can blow up at any moment, but it's not because of like this past history with Julio. It's because of what they've been doing within the past four games. Again, 31.5% of their targets. He has 52.9% of their deep targets. He has 34.8% of the red zone targets, which means that Julio Jones is actually getting red zone looks. Like the first time in his life, like elementary school, they were not throwing to Julio in the red zone, but they are now. So that kind of makes me say I want Julio there, and it's not really something that that bothers me that much. Like I'm pretty – I feel pretty safe in saying that too. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Like 
I, I definitely like Julio, as we kind of mentioned earlier in the show. You talked about the indicators. They're all there right now, right? Yeah. Like, if you asked this question three weeks ago, it would have been a different response sure. for me, 100%. Yes. Um, but, but now the facts have changed. And when the facts have changed, our takes have to change. That's just yeah. how evidence-based analysis works. It's pretty awesome, right? But, <laughs> and, but yeah, like, and at the same time, if you showed me the targets and the market share for uh, Robert Woods and Julio Jones and you remove the names and you do one of those player A does this, player B does that there's still mm-hmm. a compelling case for a couple of these guys sure. here as well yeah. so yeah hypothetically tell me who the other running back is and then we'll we'll talk a little bit right about it. And, absolutely and, until then it's julio so so jim last time we had you on the show here we we learned some pretty crazy stuff one of it involved uh, a little bit of a, a an empty water bottle and um <laughs> Uh, a, a letting loose of the can, if you will. Yeah. All right. So, so what? It, besides that, what has been the second <laughs> craziest and daring thing you've ever done? Yeah. So I'm not really a daring person in general, which is why my craziest, you know, story is, you know, relieving myself during a baseball game <laughs> while like talking on air. That that's not exactly daring, and I, I don't really have any super daring things. I guess like when we were in college, uh, I went to school near Chicago, and like. We got 24 inches of snow one night, and so, like, it was, like, 60-mile-per-hour winds. So, like, we put on biology goggles and, like, went out towards Lake Michigan and, like, chilled out there for a bit. Like, I don't think that counts as daring, uh, but honestly, that may be the most daring thing I've done, which I think says more about me than anything else, honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, Jim, that's just everyday life for me, Yeah, right? no, absolutely. I'm fully totally <laughs> willing to admit that I have a very lame life, but it's a lame life that I enjoy. See, and it's a lame life. Like, we don't need to be in the limelight. We want, we want right. the lame light. Right. We're absolutely. all about the lame light these days. 100%. I mean, that's where, that's where you gotta live, folks. I mean, you don't, you don't need to stand out. You don't need to set yourself out again. Like, it just, just get comfortable. Absolutely. You know? You get a certain age, you realize, you know, I just want to be comfy. Like, give me the PJs, right? Yeah, I, I hit that like five years ago. So, like, I'm good. I'm good now. <laughs> oh, shit. What has life come to? <laughs> Dynasty. Stefan Diggs and Kareem Hunt or T.Y. Hilton and Dalvin Cook. Ooh, that is tough. Can I have both? Can I have all sides <laughs> of this one? Um, I, I guess if I had to choose, I, I've, kind of going back and forth with this, I would probably go with Diggs and Hunts. Uh, I think that there are a couple of things that push me towards this, and mostly focusing on the wide receivers here, is that the long-term health concerns for Andrew Luck do worry me a bit for T.Y. Hilton's dynasty stock, and I know that, like, you know, if Luck is truly damaged, they will find a way to amend that, but it does definitely worry me a bit there. And the other thing, too, is that we've seen Stephon Diggs have pretty dominant market shares already, and he is still in his age 24 season. And to me, that says that I want Stephon Diggs, and we've seen what Kareem Hunt can do. He's in a really good system. I think that Dalvin Cook is in a good system, too, once he comes back, uh, because he can be involved in the passing game. He can be involved in the rushing game. Minnesota's offensive line is great. Could be set up for long-term success there as well. So this is not an indictment of, of Cook, necessarily. It's more just so... The slight concerns around Hilton and my affinity for Stefan Diggs push me onto the Diggs and Hunt side. But where would you go on this one? I'm on that side with you as well, and okay. and I think you can still get Diggs. Like, 
I, I get it. Yeah. It's dynasty, long-term, wide receiver, yada, 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 soft tissue injuries. That's why you can still get Stephon <laughs> Diggs. You you need right. some sort of blemish there to keep the market price down a little bit. And and for, quite frankly, just go get Stephon Diggs. I don't really care what you got to <laughs> pay. Just go go put him on your team. And, and I really like Kareem Hunt, right? But I still like Dalvin Cook yeah. just a tad more. Um, just because of what he does for that. And we've only got a small sample. I, I get that. Um, but that's just 100%. You know, that's a workhorse is what we're looking at with Dalvin Cook there. So give me give me Stephon Diggs and Dalvin Cook, and I want to sure. roll them both out on the same team. Absolutely. And, and just dominate the touch. So, well, then I guess i gotta, gotta got to get Adam Thielen on my team too. I don't know. I've already got Adam Thielen on all the teams. Like, we're, we're living good there at that point. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the saddest of all of this, right, is I was super-duper high on Kyle Rudolph coming into this season, too. Oh, yeah. No, I was, too. I was high on Rudolph. I was. I had a lot of Sam Bradford, which went well, unfortunately. Rest in peace, Sam Bradford. Like, I had a lot of Rudolph. I just had every share of this offense, and the Diggs and the Thielen are. They're holding out strong, but they're like the lone survivors here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still got a couple dynasty rosters with Michael Floyd because I was just like, oh, what the oh, hell? Yeah. 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 Why not, man? Why, <laughs> why not? All right, Jim. Well, it, we say why not, right? But sometimes you have to ask yourself, why? Why? <laughs> so what was the worst job you ever had that literally had you in that moment going, why, God, why? Uh, I haven't really had a lot of bad jobs, I guess. I've been, I've been kind of lucky in that respect. I worked at a daycare in high school, which was awesome. Like, I, I love that. It was, they were kind of loud at times. I love my job now, obviously. I get to talk about fantasy sports. That's great. I worked at a radio station before that. That was fun. But in college, I did work at a gym where we would have to fold these massage towels and, like, they were, they were towels that people laid on while getting massages. And they always felt weirdly grimy, even after being washed. And I think if it weren't for that, it could have been an okay job. Like, I met a lot of really cool people via this job. So, like, I, I, I don't want to trash it completely, but, like, the, the massage towels scar me to this day to the point where I don't want to, like, touch sheets. Like, they just, they scare me so much. <laughs> so, I think that, that that portion of it was so scarring that it has to be the worst job I've ever had. And and the only thing you can tell yourself it, it was it was oil, right? Yeah, totally, totally oil. There's nothing else here. It's all 100% oil. Keep uh, if I shout it loud enough, I will shout it into existence. <laughs> it was a legitimate gym. Yes, people. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Redraft. Is this an Amari Cooper or Michael Crabtree reek? 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 Michael Crabtree reek week. Now we talked. We talked about Jared Cook as I try to stumble yeah. on my words here. Uh, so is there enough room to go around here? And if you had to choose, which one are you going with? I'm going Coop, man. I mean, I, I know that he had that really rough stretch, and that's still burned in my mind too. But like, if you look at the past three weeks where they have been utilizing him differently, you know, putting him in the slot a bit more, he has 41% of their air yards over the past three games. Uh, it's according to FantasyADHD.com. It's 38% if you exclude that Kansas City blow-up game. So I think it's like a legitimate scenario where we've seen the floor actually move up on Amari Cooper where we're not going to see any more one catch for eight yards games. I think that like we've seen a shift here. They are starting to prioritize him. So I think it's a Cooper week, and I honestly think for me it'll be a Cooper week until we get reason to think otherwise here personally. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, boy, I, I don't like hopping on Cooper, man, because when I hop on Cooper, yeah. now the, I did hop on the, for the blow-up, so I actually okay, caught good. that one. Uh, but I have very, I've always almost been ashamed to admit that I've been a Michael Crabtree fan for the past two That's or not three a, years. No, no, Michael Crabtree has been the wide, the better wide receiver for a majority of that time. There is no shame in that at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just gathering touchdowns while everybody's yeah. down talking <laughs> Crabtree. Like, Carry on, carry on. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right, Jim, movie within a movie time. This one is my favorite. So take movie one's cast of characters, pick them up and move them into a completely different movie's plot. What is the new movie and how does it play out? I've never actually heard of this concept before, and I don't know, is is this like a common thing? Because I'd never heard of it before before now. Is this like something that that gets tossed around often? I I feel like I want to say it's mine, but I almost with certainty know that subliminally somewhere I picked it up, but I can't for the life of me remember where or who or when. So we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, I think I want to be selfish here, and I want to be selfish in saying that I want more time with like the the world of Pulp Fiction, and I want more time with the characters from that movie. So I would they, those would be the characters I would take, and I would just put them in literally any movie, whether it be like Frozen with the the, the <laughs> characters of Pulp Fiction. I would watch that. Uh, the guys in Pulp Fiction and like Star Wars, you get the Samuel L. Jackson crossover there, which is encouraging. So I would take. Jules, and, and just put those guys <laughs> in whatever movie pops into my mind, and I I know that it would play out well, and I would enjoy it. That's kind of my takeaway there. Love, 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 love it, love it, love it. So l- let me let me, I guess, deviate from sure. Frozen because I love Pulp Fiction as well, and I think I have the perfect match. <laughs> okay, for Pulp I want to hear Fish. it. Yeah, click. Yes, with that, okay. the Adam Sandler. Wait, so you just who's take, in which role though? Well, in any of the Pulp Fiction characters, right? Because you could, in, in like almost like okay, they all get a rotating opportunity to use the the click throughout the movie, right? So John you got, Travolta could have used that when he was on the toilet. Yes, each one of them have that that scene where like and the whole plot just deviates somewhere else with right. this, with this controller, and now we have like five more Pulp Fiction movies to go through. Absolutely. Like Marvin. Marvin. Can you think of what Marvin could have done if he had had a click thing and known what John Travolta was about to do to his head? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I almost feel we gotta like... gotta save they... Marvin, man. We gotta save Marvin. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think they'd all be dead, though, based on the yeah. way that... <laughs> yeah, it almost... You know what? If we give click to Pulp Fiction, it's going to turn into Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's our Django Unchained possibility too with the the house scene. I could see that as well. You you make a convincing argument. I still want to see how it plays out though. So I will give it a chance at least. I want to see how things go there. I'll, I want to see. Give it some time first. Well, well, hopefully Hollywood is listening to this. Yes, because, absolutely. I mean, we, we just dole out awesome ideas on the reg. <laughs> On the reg. All right, DFS, the mid-7K range over at FanDuel looks stacked at wide receiver this week between uh, the Minnesota wide receivers, that, like we've talked about, Brandon Cooks, Michael Crabtree, Golden Tate, Tyreek Hill on the road. Who, if any, are you plucking out of this range? Uh, all of them. Uh, I love all of them, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get as many of them as I can. I know that I mentioned I'm spending down at wide receiver in general, but like, you know, I always want to have one of these guys in there in general. My favorites in this group are Stephon Diggs and Brandon Cooks. With Diggs, it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. With Minnesota, 
exploiting weaknesses. This is something we we always talk about the Patriots, where they try to exploit the opposing team's weakness. But last week, they did that. Where where does Washington struggle most? They struggle with slot-wide receivers slash tight ends and against rushes up the middle. What did the Vikings do? They pounded Latavius Murray up the gut and threw to Adam Thielen. So I kind of think that they're in this mode where they will just attack the opposing team's weakness and... Tremaine Johnson has kind of had a difficult season, so I think that if you're looking at the Rams, it winds up being Stephon Diggs. Uh, so I love Diggs. I think that he's a great pivot off of Thielen based off of uh, Thielen's great week last week, so I want a lot of Stephon Diggs. With Cooks, I mean, last week with Hogan out, he had 11 targets against freaking Denver, which is just insane. And so I, I think that Cooks against uh, Oakland, their secondary is pretty banged up too. I think if I can get a lot of Cooks, and a lot of digs, and I, I mean, I'd throw out, you know, Amari Cooper in there too. I would be very, very happy with that group for sure. Yeah, this is, man, this is such a good week because there's so many good plays, right? right? And that's why it's just, you know, it's a multi-mass entry person's dream yes. type of week because you're literally just rotate one in, rotate one out, rotate <laughs> one in, rotate one out, right? You can just literally do that in every position this week, it, it seems like. So I, from a cash game perspective, I think, you know, I, I definitely still want to play cash because that's just kind of like my, my right. baby, right? Um, and, but I would, I would probably ramp up things like head to head just to get some in that natural uh, type of uh, or organic diverse, diversification. And, and, yeah, just hope it gives you a little bit more opportunities for other people to make mistakes as long as you're <laughs> on, on the right plays there as well. All right, Jim, if you could go anywhere, past or present, here, there, when, in the future, where would you go? Um, so this summer, my girlfriend and I went to Chichen Itza, which is in Mexico, and we saw, like, their the ruins of their, like, pyramids and stuff. And... They have, like, this giant sports stadium there, which is pretty much still intact. And they played this game where the winning team had to sacrifice its captain. Uh, so if you won and you were the captain of the winning team, you got your head chopped off and you were sacrificed to the gods. I wouldn't want to see the sacrifices, but I think seeing, like, Mayan culture, seeing, like, their 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 math, seeing all their calendars, and that pyramid it is a calendar, which is insane to me. Um, like, I would want to see their society. So I think I'd go back to Mayan culture. Like, just being there was, like, insanely interesting to me. I loved, you know, the pyramids. It was a really cool place. So I would love to go to Chichen Itza and see the Mayan time. I think that'd be that'd be really fun to me. That just sounds so awesomely exotic. It, oh, man. My, my only problem, though, Jim, like if I were to look at myself realistically and say, okay, realistically, what is my over-under in terms of days before I'm just dead? <laughs> <laughs> right? A half? Like, I'm definitely taking the Ace Ventura route. Like, I'm legit getting darted in the back of the neck with something, right? <laughs> like, this guy isn't worthy of the gods. There's yeah, Go I said on. a half a day, but that might be giving myself a little bit too much credit. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you're a pretty sharp guy, Jim. I think you can you can blend in and... and you know. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, last but not least. Oh, I put Week 10 bold predictions, so it's clearly Week 11 bold predictions. And, oh, my uh, Week 10 bold prediction. Antonio Brown will, will bust in Week 10. Uh, can so, I predict that retroactively? Sports Almanac. We need all yeah. the Sports Almanac. <laughs> Clearly, it would have saved us all so much. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up even last week, Jim, and I yes. was like, I, I escaped, and I was like, I'll take it. But it's like, sometimes you're like frustrated because, oh, all that lost time researching, like, 
Yeah. I could have just taken the kids bowling. You know? Yeah, Mark Ingram, though, he's a savior. He is he is my king right now because of that. Oh, Jim, bless you. I mean... He, I, he, I mean, he saved all those those awful Antonio Brown lineups, those awful Jer- Jordan Howard lineups. I had a lot of Jarek McKinnon. Like, I made a lot of dumb mistakes last week. So thank you, Mark Ingram, for making it at least not the worst week of all time. Well, I, I made a very dumb mistake, too, Jim. It was not playing frickin' Mark Ingram. Oh. <laughs> I understand why you didn't, though. I, well, I've had him. Uh, I only had, like, what, 1% or 2% this week. Like, just completely erroneously yeah. stupid, right? But I have literally used Mark Ingram. Ingram every week right. for the past four weeks. And then just, it, it, I, I don't know, Jim. I really don't know. I was super-duper heavy on Fournette in tournaments as the bell piv. And, yeah, well, there we go. But luckily, yep. I had enough Robert Woods and Sterling Shepard's shares to, to, to call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I digress. Uh, it's, this is your Week 11 bold prediction, Jim. My bad. Yeah, so I think <laughs> my bold prediction is kind of a, kind of a uh, broad one. But I'm going to say that the Rams and Vikings game just shoots the heck out. And Ooh. I think that that makes me want to get exposure to both sides pretty heavily in tournaments. Uh, the reason being there is that the Rams are first in situation neutral pace, according to Football Outsiders. The Vikings, not quite that fast because they're all the way down in third. So you got two of the top three fastest teams in the entire league playing each other in a dome in a game that People probably don't want to use that much because the over-under is okay at 46, but there are more attractive games on this slate, and it's two pretty good defenses. So give me Todd Gurley stacks with Stephon Diggs. Give me Jarek McKinnon with wide receiver to be determined on the Rams, uh, trying to figure out where Xavier Rhodes will be. But I want to get exposure to this game on both sides because I really do think it has some sweet odds of just shooting out. Like it could be, not saying, uh, Texans-Seahawks part two, but I'm saying it kind of reminds me of that game a little bit based on the pace. So I may or may not have already relieved myself on the end of this <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, this take is hot. I love it. It's dude. Oh my gosh, Jim! Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Hit I couldn't this take sleep hard. last Sunday night because I was so excited about this game when I saw they were playing because of the pace, and that means that when it's you know ten ten at halftime. You will find me sobbing in the corner, and I, I'm very excited for that to begin. I mean, there's so many good plays this week, and it's like, how the hell am I going to – because I have been – I've been using Robert Woods, for instance, right, in cash games for the last Absolutely. three weeks because it's just like there's nothing sexy about it, but he's been a super saver, and now he just puts up 40 points. Like, how the hell right. am I going to use him now? But when you really think about the roster construction and all the other plays, it's like, wow. And then the matchup, like, I really don't think people are going to be all that on Robert Woods. And then Gurley naturally going to be the pivot play. So now it's just, oh, man, yeah, this at the 46 with the opportunity to shoot out this, oh, oh, gosh, Jim, you, you got me on this one. If it doesn't shoot out, though, I will be very sad because I've been, I've been excited for this for almost a week now. And, like, <laughs> I don't get this excited about plays. Like, I try really hard not to, you know, have this, like, mindset of, like, oh, my gosh, I need exposure to this game. But I've kind of been in that mindset the whole week, and it frightens me to death. But I feel pretty okay about it. So give me as much tournament exposure to this game as I can possibly handle. Well, if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, 
we can simply click our way back to this moment and pick another bold prediction. Absolutely. <laughs> I like the way you brought that back. Ten out, of, 10 out of 10, even the Russian judge says 10 out of 10. Boom. There it is. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. And again, if you have any questions you want to answer on the mailbag, hit us up via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotovisradio. Use the hashtag RVMailbag. Jim, man, always a Real pleasure having you on the show. Uh, thanks for carving out the time. Any last-minute plugs? Yeah, no, I just want to thank you as well. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, Rotoviz, the Game Splits app, saves me so much. So thank you to, to all the developers over there as well, the people who don't get it. Much thanks to that. So thank you to the, the devs over at Rotoviz and to you for having me on. I appreciate it. Ah, the pleasure is all mine. And, of course, if you aren't already, you really need to be following him on Twitter, at Jim Sonis. And please don't uh, forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.